In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. Welcome back, Grant. How's it going, man? I'm doing excellent. How about yourself, Alan? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm just going to roll into it because I saw this news uh, a couple days ago. Uh, Pinocchio live action with Tom Hanks. Uh, your thoughts? <laughs> what does he play in Geppetto? Yeah, I don't. I think so. Uh, I would assume. No, he's playing Pinocchio. Oh God! You know, I would be surprised <laughs> if Dis- Disney did something stupid like that, where they do like a performance capture de-age of Tom Hanks, oh, God. Uh, right. Geppetto through the years. I don't even know. Anyway. Well, maybe maybe Tom <laughs> Hanks is playing the whale. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna be all the characters, but like in the digital technology, it'll be like. Like um, Doctor Doolittle. Uh, no, I know that's um, Nutty Professor, where Eddie Murphy's all of the fa- the, the clones. Oh yeah, 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 Nutty Professor. Um, but it'll be Tom Hanks, and he plays all the characters in, in Pinocchio, including Jiminy well, Cricket. He, he oh god, he, <laughs> man, that that might be that might be who he plays too, because <laughs> Jiminy Cricket's like the the wise character. I I don't know I I get so frustrated with with. <laughs> where's the where is the originality in hollywood is is disney like incapable of making something new because they know they have they have marvel they have star wars they can like all their new stuff is coming out in those you know properties but when it comes to disney like disney what we grew up with and knew and loved it's like oh lion king remake uh beauty and the beast remake and i'm not saying those movies aren't done very well i mean they're very high quality well done movies and even sometimes the the recordings of the songs with new actors it, it, it can be fun and the soundtrack can be great but you don't have the same magic as you do as the original like 2d animated lion king it's literally almost a shot for shot remake with new characters and Except for oh, and one returning, which is James Earl Jones, because I think Disney realized you cannot recast Mufasa. Right. Yeah. But um, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting, actually. I think we're going into a very interesting time when it comes to not only Hollywood, but movies. And actually, if you had asked me a year ago compared to today, I probably would have a very different opinion on where I thought things were going. But. After hearing a lot of the news as of late, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, I actually have a different opinion that I don't know if anybody's really said yet. Because, yeah, it's it, it, for a while it was looking like, okay, every movie that Hollywood's making is just a, a, a low-grade reboot slash remake slash reimagining of some old property. Uh, Disney being the big culprit of this, but it's... Um, yeah, just what 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 old thing can we mine nostalgia out of and turn it into something that a modern audience will recognize and pay money to go see in a theater? <clears throat> right. Um, and it started to it took it was at a level of like self parody. Uh, Twenty nineteen, it was like okay, this is getting it's been ridiculous for a while, but it's it's the Lion King one. I remember being in the theater watching it and feeling very very pessimistic about the future of movies um but i think we're going into a very different place and i think that's a big cause of that is COVID 19 um yeah this past year has proven that 
good and bad things. I think at face value, the bad thing that it proved was Hollywood doesn't necessarily need theaters to survive. Oh, absolutely. Um, And I think they're starting to embrace that. I think they were hanging on and they were trying to do justice by the theaters because it's been such a symbiotic relationship for a while. Even though in the last couple of years, there's been distributors that have been kind of abusing their relationship, namely Disney, uh, you know, demanding more of the the, the profit share from like the latest Star Wars movies uh, just to play mm-hmm. it in certain theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you have the big news, which is uh, HBO Max, uh, a division of Warner Brothers and AT&T. Uh, basically saying all of our movies that we delayed from 2020 to the 2021 lineup, we're going to release simultaneously day and date on both in both theaters and our platform HBO Max, which is our streaming service platform, basically. Um, and that right. has ruffled many feathers uh, within Hollywood, clearly. Um, yes, it's uh, it's an interesting time. It's basically a, it was a it was announcement to the world saying, hey, we have this property that we are starting to care more about and think is more financially lucrative than p- us putting these massive franchise hundred million dollar movies in your theaters to try and make our profits this year. Um, and I think there's two very big culprits of this. One was Tenet trying to release this summer and basically bombing horribly. Thanks, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> and the other reason was Disney pretty much proved that you could make oodles and oodles of money and not release in theaters at all by releasing Mulan on their streaming service, charging $30 ahead and making as much, if not more money than they would have made in the theater by doing that. What That was going to be my question about, you know, I, I, I we we tend to measure movies uh and their success with the box office with mm-hmm. their revenue right yeah. um even though i i think that's not always an indicator i think a lot of small art house films can be fucking incredible and and do very little at the box office but um and very stupid movies that are just you know star-studded comedies can be very well uh it would do very well at the box office as well but is there I know the I don't know the, the rules. You might know the rules better than I do. But what's the rule for reporting like streams and 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 viewership on a on a streaming service? Because now, like Netflix is ten dollars a month or or so, and Hulu and Amazon and whatnot. And if you and Disney Plus, Disney Plus being a good example. Obviously, Mulan came out the live action version. Um, they charged thirty dollars a head because they couldn't put it in theaters because of COVID nineteen. Um, they, I don't know if they released the data on that, but after it was after a certain point, it was then available to all Disney Plus members. But if you wanted to watch it in the first three months of the release, it was thirty dollars for the premium access. Yeah. So it's like, are they? How are they going to share their revenue? And 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 why is there is that record no longer even? Is that such an archaic way to look at a movie and its success that it's like Titanic and Avatar and Avengers Endgame are the number three or the two, one, two, and three movies of all time but like would titanic fare as well on netflix if it was streamed and how do you prorate that for like a family of 15 yeah paying ten dollars a month for netflix watching in their in their home you know it, it's a very very strange and new kind of territory to be in because yeah like 
Netflix, they don't release their viewership numbers. CBS All Access, they're not releasing their viewership numbers. And Disney certainly isn't going to release their viewership numbers. I think they're re- I think they put out um, subscriber numbers to their shareholders because, you know, they, they have to right. pretty much. But um, I think actual like view count per like movie or per show, that's all kept internal. I don't think they release those to the public. So it's kind of like adding another layer of mystique to the thing that's always been like, quote unquote, Hollywood accounting, which has always kind of been shifty in the first place. Um, because you could it was always weird when a movie that costs, say, like two hundred million dollars makes seven hundred fifty million dollars. But it's still considered a loss because right. Hollywood like fudges all of these numbers to like when it, you account like marketing and back end deals and all this franchise stuff that it, it started to become. If, if a movie doesn't make a billion dollars in the first two weeks, uh, it's a failure, basically, um, which is amazing and uh horrifying but clearly not sustainable and i think that's that's where it brings us now where it wasn't sustainable i think they knew it wasn't sustainable and now they have a very good excuse to cut their ties with the theaters once and for all and it's sad because initially i was very worried because i'm like okay well theaters as once as we knew them are never going to be the same like we're not going to go back to the big multiplex where you have like four tentpole movies playing in all the theaters at once. Um, I, I think those days are pretty much numbered. I think you might see something similar to that once we start opening back up in next year after everyone gets vaccinated. But um, I think, I think the studios and the big, uh, big, I mean more the big com communications companies like Disney like AT&T, like Paramount and uh, Viacom, uh, Universal, NBC. They're like, hey, we have these these streaming platforms. And now that people have gotten used to watching stuff at home pretty much all the time, box office numbers have been dwindling for the last few years. You get one or two rare movies in there that gross $3 billion like Avengers Endgame. But um, it's just it's not a gamble that I think they're going to want to take anymore. And I think... The icing on this cake was clearly that HBO Max announcement, which still, yep. you know, kind of accounts for it. It's like, OK, we're going to still put our movies out in theaters day and date. Um, but we're counting that most of the people are going to just stay at home and subscribe to our streaming service and watch it that way. And that's how we can boost those numbers. But then Disney announcing just what was it a couple of days ago that they're putting out like oodles and oodles of content all on Disney Plus exclusively. None of it coming yep. to theaters. I think that was the yep. the cherry on top for my my brain where I'm like all right they're they're going all in with this this new strategy in terms of putting out content and I I think well, yeah go ahead it it it, it kind of plays into what I had theorized you and I had talked about this previously in private but um because you're my go-to movie guy to talk to about <laughs> right. movies uh, <laughs> uh like the if you remember back like the, the the history of movies during the, the 40s and the 50s when going to the theater which was a new thing uh was an experience it was like a, a uh an amusement park ride right mm. and i don't want to try to make scorsese's claims about marvel movies sound correct but 
you go to the theater and you have these gimmicks like 3D glasses, the red and blue uh, tint. Um, you, you have, uh, vibrating seats that like whenever there's an explosion or, uh, something on screen, the, the seat in the theater vibrates below you. It's almost like a 4d experience. And that was, those were all gimmicks that were tried in the fifties. And for the most part, they were gimmicks and they failed. And then you know, customer reviews were like, nah, we don't need that. We just want to watch a massive big screen picture. And then of course there were movies that came out that were designed to be watched on this massive super screen that, you know, obviously the Marcuses of the worlds, the Regals of the worlds have, have made their theaters uh, to showcase a grand picture like uh, the newest star Wars or the newest Avengers, because it's so fucking massive Mm -hmm. and, and the, the sound and all the, all the sound mixing, you can't enjoy it in the same way, unless you have a state of the art stereo system at your home theater, uh, with the dampening walls and, and shit. So, you know, to me, the theater was always an experience. I, I, uh, I would reference, I, I, I think Irishman came out in 2018 or that was last year, 2019. Yep. 29. So Irishman came out in 2019. Irishman is is great. It's a great slow crime drama. You know, I love it. But that is a movie that was released on Netflix and it can be enjoyed on your 55 inch uh, screen at home with your basic sound bar. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be enjoyed in a big screen in the same way like Star Wars can be. And that's why to me, I think theaters are going to be relics of the past. However, they're going to stick around for that big Avengers Endgame, the culmination of 10 years of Avengers Marvel content or the culmination of the Skywalker saga. And it's going to be $50 ahead. You get a bucket of popcorn. You go in there with your 3D glasses or, or whatever and 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 you you enjoy this massive experience it's an experience but all the other movies that are sprinkled in between you just watch on disney plus i think that's what the theater is going to 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 relegate into i i agree and disagree with you and let me explain i think you're very right that that's going to be the experience that we're going to go back into it's going to be like we're going to maximize it as like the big amusement park ride theater experience with all the bells and whistles and you get your big avengers endgame you know, Marvel movie or your big Star Wars nonsense. But I mean, it's it's going to be. It's going to be more of like a you're going to get charged like $100 per person to go to the theater and you're going to get your all inclusive like popcorn, soda pop nonsense. And it's going to be like the super exclusive, super like, like. Like you're buying literally buying a ticket to go to like Disney or you're literally buying a ticket to go to like Six Flags or something like that's what I think that experience is going to turn into because that will maximize what actual turnout they're going to get post COVID um, profit wise. And then they can invest that kind of money into a property that they know they'll get some kind of return on because they're all about safe bets and they're all about, okay, there's going to be at least a loyal enough fan base of people who are going to come and they're going to see this kind of movie but we're not going to have it playing in 10 screens at once. We're going to have it playing in two or three screens in each city. Um, and you're, you're going to it's going to be like this big, like half a day experience that you go in, you get all the the bells and whistles and you get your your pre movie role with your your sneak previews of all the new Marvel content that you can watch exclusively on Disney Plus and the sneak peek of this upcoming trailer that we made just for the specific movie. Um And then I think on the flip side of that, there's going to be a new market, actually, that opens up. I think it's going to be a market that's kind of always been there, 
but I think it's going to expand because I think you're going to have so many theaters that would otherwise be either out of business or have gone out of business and they've been taken over by new management. Um, and I think they're going to, there's going to be a lot of places that are going to start appealing to a different kind of market. And that's going to be kind of like my sort of like art house niche market. But okay. you're going to see the return of a lot of those like mid budget movies that have been kind of relegated to the Netflix series, like your 35 million, 50 million dollar dramas, true story kind of stuff. But not the movie that they're spending 300 million dollars plus like another 300 million in marketing on. It's going to be like, here's these things that we can take risks with. And we have now have a place that needs content to show. But mm. also for the people who don't want to go to the theater and spend $100 to see some Avengers nonsense. They want to go to a theater, see something that's going to, you know, maybe a little more. I don't I don't want to like hold my nose in the air, but highbrow. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they won't charge you up the ass for it. They'll, they'll charge you the normal $10, $15 or whatever to go see that movie. And they can do that because they didn't spend oodles and oodles, billion dollars trying to make it, you know. And I think well, the, the, that, that market's going to be what opens back up. And that's my like, oh, maybe that's just me saying like, oh, I, I hope that's what happens. But I, I yeah. honestly think that's that's is going to be some kind of market there for it. And I think there's companies like A24, there's companies like um, A24 is the best example where they make like mature, really strange, risky type movies that can attract that kind of audience. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna chime in when you had uh, said, uh, like a 24 is a good example, but, uh, we just talked about on a previous podcast, you and Sam Casper's movie Scotch tension, Yes, which is a small indie film, self-funded, uh, you know, you spent how many years on it and you debuted it at the Milwaukee film festival. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, Milwaukee Film Festival is is probably a very well known regional festival that that is is very well to do. Everyone respects it. A lot of quality films come out of the Milwaukee Film Festival, um, but it's it's real small and independent. And it's it's I, I think they are do they own or they're con in conjunction with the Oriental Theater? At, yeah, they, in Milwaukee? they they're run by the nonprofit Milwaukee Film which now did buy or lease out the Oriental Theater, the historic okay. Oriental Theater on the east side for the next 30 years, I think they signed a lease for. Okay. So, so yeah. So the, the Oriental Theater, which has, is it's historic, it's a, it's a beautiful theater. If you're ever in Milwaukee, uh, when the, this pandemic is over, please go check out the Oriental. Uh, or the Downer, which is also a very historical 1920s-esque theater, um, not as not as fancy and 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 elegant as the oriental can be on the surface but they're both in their own way they're 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 beautiful theaters um but they they are both small uh what two or three uh screen theaters yeah. that you know that only survive because of the thing the, the the cult classics like they do rocky horror picture every other week and they do 
stuff like Milwaukee Film Festival, and they showcase either student films or small independent films or up and coming films that were at Cannes. And, uh, you know, that's, I almost think that, you know, what, what you just said to, to, to your point, that there's going to be those theaters that that survive and have those small $50 million movies that you can go and buy a $10 to $15 ticket for, probably still, you know, buy expensive popcorn. But um, there's, I think there's also going to be uh, like Marcus or Regal or AMC that's going to have a specific massive, you know, superplex with a, a heated seat and recliner and, uh, you know, a full bistro service that comes to you and, 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 and you watch a three hour Avengers movie. I think there's going to be two types of theaters that exist, yeah. but I think you're right. The, the big, the big Metroplex of, of 16 screens and, and, you know, at your local mall, which by the way, I think malls are going to be obsolete along with the theaters. A lot of malls there's, and there's theaters kind of, that's going to be obsolete, but we're, we're sticking to movies here. But yeah, malls are yeah. going the way of the dinosaur for sure. It's it's just it's what the market demands, right? That the yeah. malls are gone because of Amazon and uh, theaters are going to be gone because it's 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 less expensive to buy an 80 inch TV and have it in your basement home theater. Yeah. Uh, technology is cheaper than it ever has been. Um, you know, I, I. I feel like. I think you're right as far as the price point. Probably, probably going to be more than what I had thought. Maybe fifty, but uh, you know, I, it. I think it's going to depend. I think it's going to really depend on what the movie is and, and what the user wants. I think we've talked about this before. What's the, what's the next step for entertainment? Is it? Is there going to be a, a comeback for 4D? But instead of like the cheesy, you know, they spray water at you and and, and they 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 spritz orange zest on you when you're in the orange groves. Uh, instead of that gimmicky stuff that never took off, um, do they give us virtual reality goggles and they put you in like yeah. And you're it's a fully immersive experience and I, it's a whole different thing. I, I hate you I, know? I, here here's like I mean like paint a picture of what. I see like 10 years from now what theaters might look like and when just like the husk of what theaters were two years ago. So let, let's say AMC is, is there. They basically said flat out next month we're going to be out of money. All right. Let's say AMC, like the second largest theater chain in the country, goes out of business. All their theaters close. Well, now you have locations theater locations in every single state basically that are just sitting there derelict um i think what you're gonna see is you're gonna see maybe some other theater chains pick up some more locations i highly doubt it i think they're gonna most theater chains at this point are gonna reduce the number of theaters they have so you're gonna have a lot of these buildings that are either gonna get bulldozed or Let's say Disney is like, all right, we want to we want to expand what our parks system looks like. Let's buy some of these old theaters that are now available for super cheap because we basically killed them. Uh, <laughs> all right, so now we own some theaters. Now we can totally turn it into our mega awesome hundred dollars a ticket super movie experience that we were, we're both describing where you have the spritzing orange in your face. You got the 40 rocking chairs. We got the the virtual reality uh, pre-show and you, you you can you can trick it out however you want. Well, that still leaves a bunch of those AMC theaters that are still kind of sitting there. Um, some of them have been bulldozed and turned into condos. Some of them have turned into I don't know whatever else. Um, but then I think you're going to have 
some like weird kind of regional startups, weird people, weird entrepreneurs who are going to say, hey, I can do something with this. I can I can take that model of like the Oriental and the downer that we've already had. And I want to push that a little further. I'm, I'm going to play into the nostalgia of of the communal story that we all go into a dark room, sit down, the lights dim and you just you just experience a beginning, middle and end. And that's something that I that's something I don't think is ever going to go away. And I think it's going to live on. And that's where the market is going to be for these these niche kind of movies to kind of come back into the fold. I think we're going to have like a resurgence of what Hollywood looked like in the 70s, where you have just weird, fresh out of film school, George Lucas, uh, Brian De Palma types who are just making like way out there stuff. And you'll have you'll have just like hordes of people who are just hungry to go to a theater and watch something that doesn't have iron man on the screen for the 30th time you know they're looking for <laughs> something they haven't seen before and they're just they're hu- they're hungry for that nostalgic kind of experience and they want to bring their kids to it and then that deep, those deep. kids grow up to be the next generation of interesting filmmakers who do whatever when the, the time comes you know yeah no that that's that's a good point i i wonder though is like I, I just I had I had a, a, a very visceral image pop in my brain. When we were talking about this, and, and it's it's the budget cinema on Highway 100 back in West Dallas. Yes, uh, <laughs> those of you those of you who don't know uh, the budget cinema was basically uh, after the movies had run their course at you know the Marcuses and the the, the Regals and the, the the AMCs of the of the area. Um, they basically were able to be salt pawned off for cheaper at a, a smaller, you know, screen that was, you know, less quality, not obviously as big. Yeah, you pay, you pay um, was, a I think, dollar to see a movie that's going to come out in DVD in like three weeks. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like if you're impatient, but you want to see that last big screen thing, it was like and they would also do like uh, during Christmas time, they would play Christmas classics or or Halloween classics during Halloween, whatever. Um, that, of course, has been bulldozed and gone. And, and it's like I when I, I, I always whenever I drive by that patch of of, of loneliness that exists in West Dallas now, um, <laughs> it's uh, it's actually sad because it's like my, my childhood. I yeah. went to the budget quite a bit with friends. I'm wondering if there's going to be a hunger for that type of service where it's like movies that were already in theaters at some point, they were streamed on Netflix or whatever and Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or Disney, they sign a contract to allow these smaller, cheaper places to, to open up and play on a screen that isn't the full service like Marcus. And they get a kickback from that. And then also, I, I want to insert into the conversation drive-in theaters because I think I think there's a, a there's a new appetite for going out and doing stuff. And I think after the pandemic's over, I think we're going to have a lot of people who are just going to want to go out and leave their house. And I wonder, you know, are we misreading the market? Are our 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 cinemas? Do they have more life in them for the next five years? Because there will be this ups, uh, uptick, this resurgence of people wanting to go to the theaters. And I'm wondering if it's going to change into, you know, all the new stuff comes on Disney Plus and, 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 and Hulu and Amazon now. But you can also go see it once it's been out for a year. Or you can also see smaller movies at your local drive-in, your local budget, your local Marcus. And I wonder if there's still going to be that just the same that it's always been. It's just no longer going to house the newest stuff. It's just going to be the stuff that exists. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying. Cause that's kind of just like a, a logical kind of expansion of what we saw 
you know, pre-pandemic and kind of going into the summer too, where it's like, okay, we have all this content that was supposed to play in the theaters. Now that's gotten all delayed. We don't want to put any of our temples out this summer because that's financial suicide, as we saw with with Tenet. Uh, but we got all these awesome old properties and we have some theaters who are like really hungry to open back up because they're going to, you know, go out of business and they don't have any content of their own because they've relied so heavily on these these massive companies to give them content to play. So it's like, oh, well, let's give you, you know, Jurassic Park, E.T. Uh, and hey, you got a drive in theater still. Yeah, those would make it a big comeback. You can go to those and not have to worry about catching covid. You, let's uh, let's open okay. those back up too and play some of those old classics. And yeah, there right. was a huge hunger for them. Yeah, there's always like like I, I think we agree that there is always going to be that hunger for the the communal sort of story, the sitting around the campfire, someone tells you a story and and, and it's 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 just really what it is at the end of the day. It's like people want to experience stories with other people next right. to them. And that's that's what theaters have been doing for the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um I think we are going to still have that. I think I, I absolutely think that drive-ins have made a huge comeback. And I think we're going to, you know, see those people like, oh, there's a hunger for this. People like this kind of nostalgia mining. And so I guess I'm, I'm agreeing that that's that's going to expand what we were having. But I think I'm just taking it to like that next step where it's like, OK, 10 years down the line. AMC's already gone out of business. Marcus is, you know, hurting for money. Maybe they got to, you know, do something else or maybe they got to sell off some locations. And Disney's just hurting to to create and and their their awesome $100 plus um, movie extravaganza experience because they're hurting for money and that's the only way they're going to make their money back on these 100 200 300 million dollar properties, you know. Um yeah, I don't. I don't <clears> know. Me. I just. I, it, I. I think I'm. I'm very firmly in the camp of it was never going to be sustainable, and Avengers Endgame is going to be the last like true blockbuster film. Like I don't think you're ever going to see another movie like that. I really don't. It's such a wild thing to think about that, <laughs> like the thing that the thing that you and I grew up with, which has which was really an uh, nothing had really changed since when movie theaters first existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden within a year, it, it's like, I mean, we had, we've had streaming services for how long and just now, because I don't, I think it's part because of COVID, but I think also in part because um, it's obviously uh, there, there's a, a proof of concept with, with uh, Amazon and Netflix and Disney plus rolled out. What was it last year? There the year before, um, or the end of 2018, I think it was, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you know, and now you have a bunch of series that uh, movies themselves, the, the craft of creating a movie, uh, what a carbon copy would be what two hours and 45 minutes. And that's even long for, uh, for a, some, a, a common movie, but, um, you know, that the format might change there. The, Disney is they just announced all the, their new Star Wars stuff, but one of the the series being a a limited one uh, season series. I think it's going to be six or eight episodes of uh, it's a, it's about Obi Wan Kenobi ten years after Episode three, and it's got Ewan McGregor um, reprising his role from the prequels. Um, but like it's going to play as one whole singular movie, but it's chopped up into eight forty five minute segments. Yeah, and you know, is that 
is that content more appeasing to today's consumer? Whereas, you know, the Irishman, they're probably still going to release movies like that, but that's a, that's a whole different style of production. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, I was so <clears> torn <throat> when I first heard the HBO max footage cause for news, I should say the HBO max news about releasing all their 2021 movies day and date with theaters. Cause half of my, half of me is like, okay, that's super cool. I don't have to go to the theater to see, you know, Tom and Jerry or wonder woman, which I maybe would have paid for on another occasion, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, eh, do I really want to go pay to see the Tom and Jerry movie? Not really. I can stay home and watch it on my Don't TV. you dare slander. Don't you dare slander Tom and Jerry. It is an amazing accomplishment of animation. And I will not, I will not sit here and let you berate the new movie that I can't wait to see. Best, best picture 2021. But then there's movies like Dune where I'm like, hey, I, I would, I don't care what's going on. I need to go see that movie in a theater. Like that's, that's a movie I'm going to pay to see no matter what. Um... But I also understand the, the 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 position it puts filmmakers in. Not let alone that they didn't even consult all of the filmmakers and tell them that they were going to do this before they announced it. Just saying, like, hey, your movie isn't going to do well enough on its own in a theater, even if COVID's no longer a thing. We're just going right. to put it on our streaming service at the same time, which does kind of maximize the audience, I guess, but it also cheapens the experience that they were crafting for this kind of shared theatrical experience that we've all grown to love over the years, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, that's the thing too, is that, you know, I, I, how much of the craft is, is, is specifically drawn for a theater experience or a theatrical experience when you have someone like me who has Disney plus on their phone. It's like, I'm going to watch, I got to watch the new Mandalorian and I don't want to get any spoilers. So I'm just going to watch it on my little, you know, screen. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't give a shit because it's all, all I want is the content and the story. Um, obviously, the, the the Dolby surround sound experience would be wonderful, and I'm sure it's so well done. But it's like, how much money could a, a production company save, could Hollywood in, in its entirety save when you relegate that down to, okay, well, maybe we don't need to have 4K Ultra or whatever the next, is it 6K that I think is the next big one? 8, 8K is <clears> what <throat> they're going to now, yeah. Yeah, so you know, maybe we don't need to film in 8K because people are going to be watching it on a screen that you literally cannot tell the difference from 1080p to 4K to, to 6K to 8K. People can't tell the difference. So fuck filming that we're not going to use the brand new James Cameron, uh, 2025 avatar IMAX cameras. We're going to use the same old cameras that are cheaper to run and take up less memory. And it's easier to edit because we have old editing software that we all know. And, you know, X, Y, and Z and bada bang, you had, you just saved millions on a movie that required how much when you were prop, uh, propagating it, solely for a theatrical experience yeah and that's that's i guess that's what i'm saying where it's like the only way you can sustain that like bigger better more expensive kind of thing is if you have an experience that you have to charge a hundred dollars a person for because the 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 attendance just isn't there anymore and i think they've realized that and that that's what the trend has been the last few years is why do you think movie price ticket prices have gone up so much it's because there's just less people seeing these movies so they have to up they have to put an an, an extra charge on there for your ultra screen 4d heated seat experience you know um and we have to put a, a crazy premium on on snacks and concessions because it's it's the the theaters are on life support and now they're 
pretty much close to death after this last year because it's it's completely been shut down basically and the attendance has gone through the floor pretty much so you're gonna have instead of you know the the four big tentpole movies a year each studio is going to have one or two big tentpole movies a year and they're going to charge a oodles of money for it for their awesome super experience that'll be the latest awesome technology meanwhile they're going to invest a lot of their actual money into content that they know people are watching and they're going to want to keep watching on their disney plus streaming service that's why they're going to make 10 star wars series and 15 marvel series because it's like hey this is doing really well viewership wise um, not that anyone else would know, but I guess we know because we have the numbers. Well, let's keep investing in this and we don't need the theaters anymore. Let's let's and we can make those things for cheaper because like you said, people are going to watch them on their phones and all they really need is their favorite characters that they recognize on their TV screen and it makes them feel safe and comfortable and they're and they're nice, <laughs> you know, right, PJs right. and then hidden under their pillow kind of thing. Um, uh. Yeah. And, that, and that's a weird thing, too, where I, I I I love Netflix as much as I hate it because they, they have also done really well about giving interesting filmmakers like basically free reign to make these weird movies that it would never get released in a theater and would never make money. Like um, David Fincher's latest movie, Mank, which just came out on yeah. Netflix, it's like all black and white about the dude who made Citizen Kane, this movie that nobody but filmmakers have ever seen and that movie would have never turned a profit in the theater but here david fincher have millions of dollars to make this movie you've always wanted to make or charlie kaufman make i'm thinking of any things this this two and a half hour basically experimental film that alienates basically half the audience um we put this out in the theater and people would have burned us burned it to the ground uh, but if they can watch it in their house and watch an hour of it and say, Meh, I don't like this. Let's watch The Office again. You're not losing anybody. You're, you have the people who want to watch it can watch it. And the people who don't give a crap can watch something else. And that's it's like it's it's no skin off their backs. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm starting to get a little more cynical about streaming services. And I guess I think Disney did that to me where it's like. Okay, what are people watching? They're mainly watching things that they recognize. They're watching Fuller House. They're watching Stranger Things. They're watching Mandalorian and whatever else. Marvel, DC nonsense. Well, let's sure. just let's just make ten more Stranger Things spinoffs. Let's make ten more Game of Thrones spinoffs. We know people are going to watch those because they recognize the brand now, and that'll be what we put our money into. All right, where are all these original content creators going to go? Well, they're not going to go back to Disney unless they want to make Star Wars movies for the rest of their life, which, you know, some of them are and they seem to be happy doing it. Um, but I think there's going to be a, 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 a there's going to be a, a, a wanting for original, interesting content that people want to see. There's going to be places that they can go to now that they'll have weird insane entrepreneurial people who are going to buy an old picture house like amc wherever and they have all these screens that they can show second run weird experimental nonsense it'll be like i think 42nd street in new york in like the late 70s you could like go into one theater and watch some random porno deep throat or something and you could go next door and you could watch like cannibal holocaust some crazy grindhouse 
crap that you couldn't show in any multiplex at that point, but you could show it in this weird experimental indie theater that that there's an audience who want to go see it because it's there. Oh, I think that's what, what I think what, that's what we're going back to, like really weird kind of stuff like that. I think that's what's what, gonna what happen. was. What was that movie that you showed me in your dorm back on our college days? That was the the entire point. The filmmaker's entire point behind it was to make it feel like you were having an LSD trip. Uh, Into the void. Into the void. Yeah. yeah. That. I mean, that was that was like eyes wide shut times a thousand weirdness. Yes. Um. And I, I mean, it was like I. I and I'm not a filmmaker. I I, I do consider myself to be a, a, a connoisseur of things that are. You know, not just Dumb and Dumber and then Dumb and Dumber too. Um, I, I I love film and I love the art behind it, but I I could never appreciate it the same way that you have come to 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 to, to, to design the craft and appreciate the the craft yourself. But you now I watch the, a film like that, and then it's like it's just off. It's rockers crazy, but it's I would almost love to see a comeback of those weird experimental films uh, that you know it's like people don't know what can be done on film. Yeah. Um, I'm curious though, your thoughts that is that, is that going to be possible? I guess it would have to be possible. It's supremely independent. I, I don't think there could like Marcus would have to cut all ties with uh, Disney and, 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 and Paramount and Columbia, et cetera, uh, or Sony. Um, and then just focus on indie filmmakers. But it, you know how much of the oxygen in the room is taken up by the monopolization of the market like disney who has bought now marvel and 20th century fox and and you know and now amazon with not only just shopping but they have their own streaming service and they they're going to monopolize middle earth and 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 their series with with uh lord of the rings yeah uh, uh you know how much how much of a problem is monopolization? Do you, is it even the correct word to use in the in the movie market? Um, I, I hope to God that you know we we've agreed that this is probably going to be a thing that comes out of drive-ins and whatnot with these art house experimental films. But I feel like they're going to get snuffed out by people just wanting to drool over what's on Netflix in their house I, and not I, go anywhere. I, I think that that divide is just going to keep going in that direction. I think you're going to have. I, I hate to talk bad about these these like very popular franchises that people enjoy. Like I enjoy them. You definitely enjoy them. Like they're not inherently a bad thing to want to sit down and watch a Star Wars show or to sit down and watch a Marvel show. Like it's fun. You don't have to think much and you can you can just sit down and enjoy it. And there's there's that's a good thing. We should have those kinds of, of shows and movies available. But I think those are going to become relegated to those those are going to be like the streaming platforms that we have. You're, it's going to turn back into network television, except that it's just under a different banner, the streaming service, which are still owned by the big um, media companies like like Viacom and and uh, AT and T and Disney and you know all these blue chip companies that they they they've run the market for years now and they're going to keep dominating the market. But they're they're only about safe bets, really. They very rarely take risks. Mm-hmm. So they're going to put the content on their service that they know will draw an audience that they know is going to sell. They're gonna they're gonna keep you know putting money here and there into weird little indie artistic projects because they just want a diversification of content. But they're not going to put all their backing behind it. 
They're not going right. to hedge their bets on anything like that anymore. They're going to put it into Lord of the Rings and, and Marvel and Star Wars and this stuff. Um, or that stuff's going to be relegated to, like we said, the theme park movie experience, the charge a hundred bucks, have a five hour day watching a movie, doing VR stuff, playing games, eating popcorn. It's like a birthday party, but with a movie basically is what it's going to become. Um, right. And so you're, you're still going to have that audience that they, they, they crave interesting, artistic, independent, weird, new, just like, different kind of stuff that that isn't the stuff at large and i think that's gonna be there and it's just gonna it's gonna start going into these weird kind of niche places it's it's the stuff that you kind of see in the in the weird corners of the internet that someone sends you one day and you're like wow well, i never heard about this oh this these people have been making stuff for years and it's it's all interesting and i think that's there's gonna be these new kind of like it might not even look like the traditional sort of like picture house, as it were, like the the Oriental theater where you go see a, a nice little indie movie and, and leave. It'll look like, I don't know, maybe we go back to like the, the, the reel that plays 24 hours a day where you can you can play some cartoons early in the day for the kids and then the adults show up later and they watch their their exploitation nonsense Um I, you know, like you can mine some nostalgia out of that. And it, it kind of plays to that sort of like short attention span. All right, let's just drop in and watch something. We still get to go out and share an experience with a bunch of other people. Um, and we can kind of leave whenever and not miss much. And it's always going to be there. And you you charge $10 a head. It's it's not like the 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 Disney theater next door where you got to spend 100 bucks and stay there for five hours. You can just here's a nickel. Let me <laughs> let me watch some newsreels and some, you know, weird experimental French film that I would have never otherwise seen or some old black and white movie from the 40s that I would have never otherwise seen. Um, I'm just getting creative now. I, I mean, I who knows? Who knows where it can go? Who no, knows I, what can I, come I back into, into style. Um, I think I, it's just going to be I, different. It's going to be very different from what we've had recently. Yeah, I I, I think I, I'm excited to see what happens. And I, I think you're right to some degree, at least. Uh, at least I think I think your compass is pointing in the right direction. It might it might, uh, you know, promulgate in a different way. But I, I think I think one thing that we, we haven't really touched on and how movies are changing and how how the how viewership has changed. And I, I think what is such a, a stark difference from when we were maybe 10 through 20 years old. And now we're at the, the bottom half of our twenties. Uh, God, we're closer to 30 than we are 20. It's ter <laughs> yeah. terrible. Um, but the, you know, the CGI has been and c computer generated effects and special effects and whatnot have been, often in the past used to to supplement and complement certain aspects of it like like when you're watching star wars you have the lightsabers and the lightsaber obviously needs to have a special effect and that's that's great yeah. um cgi was used to correct certain things or to make an image a certain way if you needed it to it was never uh created or, or used as an entire uh creation of a city uh nowadays movies even movies that you'd never even expect to have CGI, they use CGI right in front of you because the CGI is so good. It's photorealistic and they, you know, they have new technology with ray tracing and whatnot. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's great. And I think if you, you use it correctly, that's, that's wonderful. But you have movies like, 
the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm -hmm. uh, that uh, other than Gollum and maybe a couple other things, you had pretty much practical effects and makeup and 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 uh, the every army that you saw on screen was actual people that were dressed up and 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 made up with all these you know different orc costumes and whatnot uh same with the original trilogy of the star wars franchise that it was all just devoid of special effects except for when you were shooting blasters or you had you had to uh, trace out some of the the blue screen when you have the millennium falcon flying through space and that was very simple back then it was a very simple thing to do and nowadays you have massive michael bay crazy Star Wars prequel level movies that are using literally every single thing in the scene is computer generated except for the person and their makeup. And it can be done very well. It can be done very poorly. Um, and that's like, I, I was going to try to make all this full circle with Lord of the Rings. So Lord of the Rings is a practical effect that happened in 2001, two and three, mm -hmm. uh, a monumental trilogy. But then the Hobbit comes out the, the three parts of the Hobbit and the Hobbit is just so ill-received, in my opinion, terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously very well done motion capture by Andy Serkis, of course, but that's about it. Yeah. And, you know, why is that part of what this is changing in the industry where the industry wants to have that, that tapping of nostalgia, that tapping of realism, that, that grounded feeling that, you know, you have a puppet like Yoda in Dagobah that actually feels, it looks hilarious. You can tell it's a puppet. But at the same time, it's not the CGI mess that that The Hobbit was where you have massive armies where it's just that's just you can tell they copy pasted and Peter Jackson got lazy. Yeah. So, you know, is that part of it? Do you think, you know, prior to COVID, do you think there was actually a new appetite growing in movies and in the industry prior to COVID that COVID just helped expedite? It, it's that's a weird. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like take stunts for example like it's just the cost risk benefit of doing like a crazy awesome action stunt is isn't it, it's like it's it's like it goes to the bean counters it doesn't become like a creative decision at a certain point it's it becomes a financial one it's like all right is this worth it if someone gets hurt is this worth it if something goes wrong is it worth it if we can just do this in a computer for this amount of money, but we know we're not going to, you know, kill someone in the process or maim someone kind of thing. Um, or, I mean, a, a big one to, I think even David Venture just said, he's like, I'm never working with practical blood ever again uh, because yeah. it's, it's easier to do it in a computer than having to clean it up off of a wall and try and do another take. Um, which I understand. I definitely understand sure. that, but there's an issue where it's like I personally, and I think a lot of people can look at something on a screen and they can tell if it's in front of the, the camera or not. They can see, oh, that's that's a that's an effect that wasn't actually on the set that day. That was created entirely in a computer. Um, it's pretty easy to spot a lot of the time. I don't think I. I, I think the more we have people watching certain things watching them on smaller screens and I, I don't think people are, are, I think people are getting used to these things. I think people are not caring as much. Mm. I think there is probably an appetite, like I said, and maybe that's a part of that split we've been talking about 
um, where you have someone who would rather see something like a Mission Impossible movie where it's like all these big, awesome, real stunts. And, you know, it's Tom Cruise putting his life on the line. Um, but then you also have an Avengers Endgame where the last hour is basically a computer effect. And yeah. it's, it's going to make three times the money because people don't right. care. And actually, the majority of the people are going to end up seeing it on their phone anyway. And they're not going to be able to tell the difference or they don't care. Right. Um, so, yeah. It, and that's the thing, too, where effects are they used to be more expensive to do, but now they're getting a lot cheaper to do. And you have even independent movies where you have some really talented independent artists who can do these same effects that Hollywood could do 20 years ago by themselves on their own home home laptop for a fraction of the cost. Um, and that's just where technology is going. That's where people's skills are going. And I think that's where sensibilities are starting to go where, yes, I think that the appetite for real and, and gritty and, and grounded is there. And these things ebb and flow, but I don't know. I think we're going to keep going. There's going to be it's it's going to be continuing a dramatic split where you're going to people who are progressing towards the singularity and they become one with their phones and they can't separate themselves from it. And then you're going to have the people who refuse to use them and they're going to live their life totally off the grid and they want to watch. They want to look at a real fire pit in front of them as opposed to a log. Uh, recording on their screen at Christmas time. Yeah, I, I know this is a whole different conversation too, with 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 like phone usage and screen time and and the, the blue the blue light that's so detrimental to your to your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the way, if you have an iPhone, I don't know what Android uses, but if you have an iPhone, uh, there is a night mode that I highly encourage you to use. Yeah, there's after, one on, after, there's on Android too. I have it. Yeah. It, you, you just turn the night, night mode on, it changes the settings so it's easier on your eyes at night. Um, you know, I started, started this podcast with with you, Grant. It, it's been, I've been glued to my phone and trying to, you know, manipulate things and work with things and edit things and, and play with things and, and learn how how this medium works because this is a different medium of entertainment that that uh, our our market has demanded and, and I enjoy doing, but... Like my, my exhaustion, my mental exhaustion level is higher because I'm staring at my screen so much more. And I think, I mean, it's so easy for me to, rather than read a book that I want to do, it's so easy for, for me to just go, nah, I'm going to watch the office for the 700th time and, uh, just put just background noise on, on the TV, uh, while I play on my phone. Yeah. So you know, it's almost like the ease of access of all these streaming services and, and, and entertainment uh, mediums on every device that we own. Uh, it almost, it feels like it oversaturates the market and takes away the creativity and, 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 and filmmakers. I've seen some filmmakers do some incredible stuff with iPhone camera work and Android camera work. And that's great, but it, you know, that's, that's only one Avenue. You, you, you also forget that like all of cinema is now housed in your pocket and, it's almost impossible to make that not feel cheap, especially if you're making something as as artistic and slow paced and dialogue heavy and exposition heavy as like The Godfather or Irishman or yeah. Citizen Kane or whatever, you know, or an old movie like North by Northwest. I couldn't I can't imagine watching that on my phone and appreciating it, but it was never designed for the phone. Yeah. Um. 
I'm I'm going to ramble a little bit, but if I keep going, but the, the uh, you know my point. Yeah. The point the point is I, it's like I feel like the, the the creativity we're devoid of creativity, we're devoid of new things because the market almost demands more and more of just the same old schlock and shit. And I think you're right. I think that once this pandemic allows us to go back to or the pandemic subsides and our vex, vaccines are done uh we can go back to the the movies i think those experimental films the art house films the the nostalgia factor going back and maybe seeing Jurassic park in a drive-in theater i think that's gonna that's gonna rule the market for about a year and a half two years before you can release another avengers scale movie and have that demand for that because we have all that action-packed bullshit from michael bay on hulu mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, and it, there's just, we'll there's, there's it, it, the sad truth of it is I, I, these companies, these media companies, these distributors, I think they're, they're pretty much at the point now where they've, they've lost interest or they've just, they, they've realized they don't need theaters to right. do what they need to do. Because at the end of the day, it's about raising their stock, you know? It's about it's about what is what is our what is our market price at? Uh, what content can we announce that's going to generate interest in our company that's going to raise our stock price? I'm sure Disney stock right. skyrocketed after they announced they were going to do 15 Marvel shows, 15 Pixar shows, and 15 Star Wars shows. You know, um, and I'm sure HBO Max's stock rose after they announced that they were going to release all their movies day and date on their nice new streaming service that's been secretly failing for six months now <laughs> since they debuted it <laughs> so they definitely needed that boost but guess whose stock fell amc marcus cinemark all these places um it, it's 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 like this big loud and clear message that i think there's there's very good and like very well placed outrage and anger about and it's like okay hey they need you you might not need them, but they need you. And and you they've they've been there for you for the last hundred plus years to to play your movies and make you money. And it's been a shared right. thing. And you're destroying that. And I understand that argument. But I'm torn. I am I am torn because you know what? Half those movies I didn't want to see in a theater anyway. But hey, I can watch them at H on HBO Max, which I'm subscribed to for free. Ah, all right. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i you know it's funny i can if anyone's ever been to a marcus theater you'll you'll recall uh, in the last five years of greg marcus coming on the screen and giving a little spiel about whatever and it's a cutesy little hilarious whatever and he's he's funny he's a nice guy it's, it's charming uh, as hell it's great it's it's charming as hell uh but i all i can think of right now is like a it's like a live meme that popped in my head it's it's uh, greg marcus comes on now after the pandemic and it's like bernie sanders meme where he's like i am now once again asking for your financial support <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh i i don't i don't i i i hope greg Mar- i mean he's got enough money he's fine at the, and they have other the, they, have, they have other ventures too like amc they don't really they have theaters that's it marcus right. you know they have hotels they have the they have like you know other theaters they have other ventures that they that they've invested in yep okay yeah. so last last question uh okay. we're going to end on this question um i'm kind of curious is there a market that comes out of this whole D23 
dealio with the pandemic and, and the lack of theaters and, 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 and whatnot, is there a market that opens up for more Broadway play production style live shows like Hamilton, like Broadway Lion King? It's weird. That's a, that's a interesting question. Um, I've never been a big theater guy, to be honest. Um, Cause that's, that's a whole other thing that I, I'm, I have heard of that, that, that Broadway and then theaters have, have really took a hit and theater actors yeah. and performers like dancers, ballet, all that kind of stuff is just like, there's none of that right now. Nobody's going to a theater orchestras too is another yeah. big one. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be a hunger for those kind of um, shows, but I, I don't know if it's going to be any more than what was there before. I, I That's a tough one. I don't know. I, what do you think? Well, I, I, I actually think there's going to be a demand for, um, and there were, there was kind of the beginnings of it, but like, I, I, I think there's going to be a demand for a more interactive style where like, I know Rocky Horror does it where they have a live show sometimes at the theater and they have like, you know, the, the burlesque yeah. transvestite dancers dancing with, with, uh, with the characters on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you have Tim Curry playing the background and then you have, you know, Dr. Dr. Frank Frankenfurter. And then you have people dressed as him, um, throwing rice at you and doing the whole bit. It's a cult classic. They have fun with it, but yeah. like that stuff, but, or having a live orchestra playing the music to the movie on screen, like they've done with Harry Potter, they've done with star Wars, uh, that takes a little bit more, you know, ingenuity to it. Uh, I think stuff like that, there might be an actual demand for or a desire for. I don't know if there's going to be a, a new demand for more plays to be produced or more theatrical, uh, you know, stuff to be written. I don't. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think. I think that's going to have its. It, it's always going to have its own its own niche kind of market that exists with people who are, you know theater nerds and that's it and i i love the theater i love the orchestra i love i love band i love i love going to live events like that but um i think there's going to be this this little bit of a a a meld where it's like that nostalgic you want to go see jurassic park in the theater well cool uh the theater's going to be an experience and you're going to have a live orchestra playing john williams uh score with Jurassic Park playing on the screen. It's going to be perfectly synced up and they're highly trained musicians to know the cues, the perfect timing with the, the, the screen on the projector. Um, I think that's that happy medium of what I I, envision. Yeah. I I definitely hear where you're coming from with that. I think I might be a little bit, I don't know if this is going to be true. I might be a little pessimistic when it comes to just the just the psychological effect that this pandemic has had on audiences as a whole, and this yeah. comes to like theaters, this comes to any live performance, this comes to any live concert. It's just I think there's like a, a weird bit of like shock therapy that's happened to people, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be like, all right, well, there's a vaccine, and I'm vaccinated, but I'm now so hyper aware of how easily I can contract a disease. Or some horrible thing can happen to me in a in a crowded room of people, that it's it, it's going to be a little bit slow going to kind of pick up audiences for these kind of things. Actually, yeah, um, there's going to be have there's going to be a lot of trust that's going to have to get built back up because I think yeah, just the just the collective psyche about of people as a whole are, are it's a little 
ooh, I don't know. I feel guilt. I feel this weird feeling of like fear and guilt, like wanting to go out, but being afraid to and, and not wanting to see people in, in the same room. And yeah, I don't know. Then there's people who don't have an issue with that at all. who are going to be like, yeah, fuck yeah. I've, I've been going to the theater this whole time. I, I don't care. <laughs> fuck it. Right. Um, but most people, I think, have, have been scarred a little bit by this last year that they're going to need some time to readjust themselves to going back outside and doing things with a group of people in a enclosed space, you know? Yeah, I would, I would agree. Uh, it, I, that just, it just reminded me of that scene from outbreak with uh, Dustin Hoffman. I have never actually seen that movie. Really? Oh my goodness. Uh, it's, uh, uh, if you're, I know you aren't, but if, if you are a super hypochondriac during this pandemic, do not watch Outbreak. Okay. Um, I watched Contagion for the first time when it broke out. And I was like, oh, God, I should not have watched that movie. Um. Yeah, no. No, there's a scene There's a scene in Outbreak where uh, the the virus is starting to, to spread. Um, I think they describe it as some kind of Ebola-style virus. But it's it's one of those movie viruses that you like – the, the, the victim bleeds through the eyes and it gets – it's very visceral and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously COVID is not like that. So you, like, right. so you, could, you could just pass it off as a flu or a cold. But this one is like you – like your skin falls off and oh, you know, <laughs> Hollywood magic. Yeah. But um, – no, so but th- there's a scene where this guy, it's just some group of friends, and and uh, they're at a movie theater, and this guy in the back row he sneezes, and there's a CGI uh, oh, no. snot and and like a, a shotgun spray of saliva that goes into the you know into the theater and just kind of goes in and uh someone else breathes it in and it's just like all these close-up shots of of uh you know zoom into the guy's mouth and you see him sneeze and then go zooms into another guy's mouth and you see him inhale the sneeze and it's just it's like a hyper hyperbolic version of what happens when you know our germs pass back and forth from each other it's like watching a hot dog be made you don't want to watch yeah. it you know what happens um it's like a slasher movie where the slasher <laughs> killer is a, is a disease yeah, it's terrifying. so it, it just, I just had that visceral memory of that scene in in uh, Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman and Morgan Freeman. It's just that they, they're trying to showcase how it spreads. And you're right, you're in close close quarters and, and with a bunch of people in a dark room. And that dark, I think, I mean, as we've seen with airplanes now, we've seen with lots of you know uh, diners and restaurants and 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 bars and whatnot. People are sanitizing like crazy. I think you know there's probably a happy medium. You probably don't need to do yeah. like you don't have to go through an entire box of Clorox wipes, but you probably should wipe down and best do best what you can. Um, but I think people are going to start priding themselves on their sanitation. It's going to be a marketing tool to use. That, hey, we sanitize. We've done this. We use this. We use yeah. X, Y, and Z. That's top to the steady art. And uh, that's pretty much like a basic requirement for any business that's been open in any city. Whereas you yeah. go out to like a rural area, and it'd be like, oh, do you do this, this, or this? Like sanitation, and they'll look at you like, what are you talking about? You, you soft little city boy, get the hell out of here <laughs> with your mask right. and. and and fear of diseases, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah. I well, well, I'm curious to see what happens. I, I'm we'll uh, we'll schedule we'll schedule a podcast years in advance to, to come back and and we'll we'll reflect on how wrong or right we were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Well, anyway, uh, everyone, hope you're staying safe. Uh, thank you, Grant. It's been an awesome conversation. I know. 
uh, as the pandemic surges on, as we have a vaccine and things will change uh, and things are ever changing. But I know we'll we'll have all of the Marvel and Star Wars content thanks to Disney. And, Hooray! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know how excited I am for all of it. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm half excited. I'm half excited because there's some content that I'm excited for because I I, I love Captain America, so I'm excited for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for oh. that story. I'm I, I I love some Star Wars stuff, but I also hate the oversaturation and making four, five, and six what were small, beautiful, exciting movies now <laughs> just part of this massive bullshit world. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's well. okay though. It's it it's it's content. Yeah. I it's it's content. There, there could be worse things in the world. That's true. That's true. But, oh well anyway. I appreciate you having me back on, Alan. Um Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into this new year. All the new content. Uh new world. We'll see what happens. It'll be great. It's exciting. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Have a good one. Thank you for joining the Kogan Conversation. Be sure to like, share, and follow us on all social media platforms. This podcast is available in video form on Facebook and YouTube, and audio on all platforms where podcasts are supported. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just a few bucks a month can really help us grow. Visit us online at www.thekoganconvo.com for more details.